the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's always nice to catch up with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management for our Money Monday segment. And I hope that you will join us on Fridays at 7 p.m. for the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. And that replays at noon on Saturday. Josh's firm, Aptus Wealth Management, is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. And you can set up a free consultation with Josh and the Aptus team, 614-917-1040. You can set up your appointment, or you can make your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. The headlines today, Josh, have more layoffs coming in the tech sector. Google, 12,000 layoffs. Facebook's cut 13%. Microsoft, 5 Amazon's cut 8,000 in one fell swoop and 10,000 in another what do these layoffs in the tech sector tell you about the tech sector? Well, I think we get interpreted a bunch of different ways, and I'm sure the headlines will read to this effect. You know, on one hand, they'll say, well, it's right-sizing, and we're getting back to the point where we're going to start to have explosive growth again. And then in other headlines, you're going to hear, well, this really tells the tale that things were overinflated, and now we're heading down the, you know, the spiral of doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of which one's correct, I think it, it definitely points to the fact that uh, maybe things got a little over-exuberant since COVID. Uh, maybe the fact that we had PPP loans and we had you know people using these technological platforms at uh, really heightened rates because they couldn't go anywhere from their house. Maybe maybe that really overinflated things to the point where we had you know uh, price to earnings ratios getting out of whack and money was basically free and we could fund these programs. And now the costs of all of those things have gone up and usership has gone down and they're feeling the pinch. Yeah, it could be one or the other. I mean, it's not always bad when a company cuts workers, but I think because everybody's concerned about a recession and the volatility out there, they're keeping an eye on every single number. And to what extent do you think these numbers are reflective of where we're headed? Uh, Is it more likely people are reading too much into every number that they see and what that number might mean long term? Well, I think there's a lot of fear uh, in the market, and I can at least speak for the meetings that I'm having with clients. There's, There's still a lot of trepidation and and angst about what does the future hold? You know, we had a, a, a really, um, you know, almost rocket-like run-up in the market. And as people are getting closer and closer to retirement, where they actually need the money, they're getting very, very concerned: is can this can this last? Can it handle uh, all of this volatility? But you know, historically speaking, uh, a rising interest rate environment is historically always very difficult on the technology sector, and that's large in part because technology is. Um, you know, when you think about these companies that have a tremendous amount of costs, but very low return in the beginning, um, think Facebook, you know, they were trading at, you know, crazy multiples when they first came out. And they weren't even making money. Of mm-hmm. course, now they are. But it takes time and it takes leverage. It takes borrowing to get to that level. And when borrowing costs go up, it is historically detrimental to the technology sector. So it's very possible this is just a, uh, a feeling of that impact. Josh, pick our guest. Money Monday is the segment. We do it every Monday at 12.30 p.m. His firm, Aptus Wealth Management, is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750, a bit north of the 23270 interchange. You should be a subscriber to Josh's YouTube channel. You can do that 
by going to aptuswealth.com. Click on the YouTube logo, subscribe, get that content in small doses so that you can pause it, rewind it, share it. And while you're there, you can also set up for your free consultation to do a check on your plan for retirement. Hope you have one. If you don't, Josh and his team would be more than happy to discuss that with you. You can also set up your appointment by calling 614-917-1040. So the Fed has been raising rates at record levels, uh, I think 0.75% hike, uh, four straight times, which I don't think it had ever happened twice. Now we hear that the next rate hike might not be as big as people thought. Everybody was expecting a half a percent. Now they think it might be 0.25%. What do you make of the uh, prognostication on what is coming next from the Fed? I think uh, a quarter of a percent is probably realistic. Um, The Fed has kind of uh, almost given inclination that that's what they intend to do. Um, But the Fed's tasked with a very difficult job right now to bring us in, quote unquote, for a soft landing on the exorbitant inflation that we had. And you know, they were pretty bold in their three-quarters of a point raises back-to-back-to-back, to back to back of, you know, four times. Um, and I think, you know, the risk there is that they overshoot the runway a little bit and they raise rates too much and it has a catastrophic effect on the economy because while rates do not determine how a company does, uh, in other words, if the Fed raises interest rates, it doesn't automatically mean the technology sector is going to go down in a, in a fiery crash. But what it does mean is it puts a headwind against those companies. And what the Fed does not want to do is make that headwind so strong that companies simply can't even fight it. So they're trying to kind of edge us back to where they want us to go, but not at the cost of the overall economy. Now, I know when I have these conversations with people and I say it might, it might, it might, they go, come on, quit talking out of both sides of your mouth. Just tell me what I should be doing. Here's what you should be doing. What you should be doing is taking a very close look at how you're invested, the methodology and what you're using, understanding the risks associated with the decisions that you make, and making sure that your diversification mix makes sense for what you're trying to achieve. Now, that's fancy speak for ultimately this. Make sure you don't have too much money in things that could catastrophically go down if you're getting closer and closer to retirement, and make sure that you have the education and understanding on the decisions that you're making, and you're not basing your decisions on fear or emotions, but rather on uh, things that actually matter and make sense. And if you don't know how to do that, that's when you should start asking uh, for help, which is you know why we're here. Yeah, no doubt about it. And easy to set that consultation up with Josh and the team. 614-917-1040 is the number at Aptus. Their web address is Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. The last inflation number we got was uh, 6% plus. The president lauded that, pointing out, of course, that as any president would, that it was down from over 9%, yet 6% is still three times what the preferred rate is. And I see gas prices are going up. There's this uh, disagreement in Washington about raising the debt ceiling. If the debt ceiling goes up and interest rates are up, then the government's going to borrow more, spend more, pay higher taxes on it. Uh, I guess my question is, is, is it unprecedented for inflation to be declining and then in a month, two months, is it impossible that it might increase again? And that would really send the markets, I think, into a tizzy because, as you've said many times, the markets do not like volatility. Yeah, it's not impossible at all. As a matter of fact, it's very easy to find a, a time period when that happened. If you look back to the 70s, you know, we, we raised interest rates and we said nothing to see here. We're all we're all good. And then inflation started going back up through the roof, which ended up sparking the Volcker Fed years where, you know, prime rate, and I'm sure you can remember mortgages back in the day going all the way up over 20%. 
So it's it's not unprecedented and it's not unheard of. And I'm sure that that's what the, tri- the Fed's trying to thwart is we got to continue to potentially kick up these interest rates more than we might even think we need to because we don't want to have this whipsaw effect where we thought we did good. We maybe even drop rates and it causes even a larger problem. And, and they're trying to accomplish that while at the same time, the government is considering raising the debt ceiling, which in turn creates more and more debt, which injects, let's call it funny money back into the economy and theoretically could cause some more inflationary pressures. So, you know, their work is cut out for them. There's no doubt about it. And the next uh, year is going to be quite a quite a teeter totter. Yeah, it certainly appears that way. And for people who are retiring, let's say they had targeted 2023 as their year to retire. And we are in the first few months of the year, the Whatever you do that has to be done by the end of the year, December 31st, too late to do that. But I assume there are some things that you can do or still uh, have the uh, ability to do in advance of April 15th to have it count in the 2022 tax year. Is there anything specific to people who plan to retire in 2023 or anything just with that April 15th deadline coming up that people need to be aware that they need to get it done or at least should consider the possibility of doing it. Yeah, there's a few things that you can do. Uh, the biggest and easiest to understand uh, one that you can do is assuming that you can qualify. Um, you have the ability to contribute to a Roth IRA or traditional IRA after the year is over, which is a, a very unique situation for uh, your tax uh, planning because it's one of the few that you one of the few things that you can do where you kind of bet on the horse race after it's over. You look and see, well, as I'm doing my taxes. Where did I land? How much do I owe? What tax bracket did I fall in? And then you can go back and say, can I make an impact on that bottom line? Maybe I owe $1,000, but if I contribute a few thousand bucks to my traditional IRA, I can wipe out that uh, tax liability, and I'd rather put the $1,000 in my pocket than put it in the government's pocket. So there are some things you can do there, uh, but you only have until April 15th. You clearly already missed the window for the December 31st uh, options, so at least investigate the, the, the latter. Always great to have you on, Josh. Appreciate it. We'll see you Friday for the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. You as well. Thanks, Bruce. I ran out of time to play this little uh, cut from the Wayback Machine of Joe Biden in his presidential debate with Donald Trump when he was talking about Antifa. Uh, Antifa rioting in Atlanta over the weekend. Uh, sure, looked like they were organized. I mean, they got people coming from outside Atlanta to riot. Uh, it looks like they're well-financed. I mean, somebody's buying those uh, bombs that they're throwing at police. But uh, here's Joe Biden. Back during that presidential debate on what Antifa is and what it is not. Antifa is an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. Not malicious. Antifa is an idea, not an organization. Antifa is an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. Not malicious. And the other voice, of course, is the 45th president of the United States saying, oh, you got to be kidding me. Because that was such a stupid thing for Joe Biden to say. But he says a lot of stupid things. And he does a lot of stupid things. And we now have a trail of classified documents left all over places where Joe Biden has been over the last mm, at least 15 years. When he was last in the U.S. Senate, he has classified documents from his time in the U.S. Senate. Not allowed. He has classified documents from his time as vice president. Also not allowed. This has all caught the attention of Congressman Mike Turner. He's your guy, Dayton. 
Mike Turner, who hopes to be on the House Intelligence Committee, in fact, hopes to chair the House Intelligence Committee, Mike Turner finds this all very interesting. And he told CBS's Face the Nation on Sunday that he does not understand why Joe Biden had these documents. Why did he have them? Who did he show them to? The only reason you could think of as to why anyone would take classified documents out of a classified space at home is to show somebody. Hmm. I will allow that he might have taken them to write a book about them, or I will allow that he took them just because he's a Biden, and he thinks he can, because nobody bleeps with a Biden, as he says before. You can have that on my word as a Biden, he says before. Joe Biden thinks he's more important than everybody else. There are many similarities between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Many similarities. They're both egomaniacal. Neither one of them likes to be told what to do. There's one difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, probably more than one, but there's one main difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Donald Trump loves the country, and he understands that the country and its values, its founding values, have allowed him to be what he has become. Joe Biden, well, how he feels about the country is up for sale. I mean, if he is supposed to parrot conservative values or authentic American values to get ahead, man, he can do that. He did that in the Senate in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. But if he needs to sell out to the climatologists, to Ukraine, to Russia, to whatever, to the woke mob, to the LGBTQ agenda, in order to get more personal power, (laughs) well, sure, well, sure, just write me a check or write my son a check or write my brother a check. And if the check's big enough, I will see it from your perspective. Now, I would imagine that Kamala Harris, the vice president, is watching all of this with great indulgence because, of course, she stands to benefit from the Democrats pushing Joe Biden aside. She won't benefit for long, of course. She will get whatever's left of his presidency and not one day more because they will be allowing her to have the spotlight so that the spotlight can show every creak and crevice in her ability to lead. Such is the depth of the Democrats' hatred for America that they would allow the most powerful position in the world to be stewarded by somebody who is unfathomably inept as a leader and is a cackling buffoon and is so stupid that in her comments on Sunday in attempting to point out how essential it is for women to have access to the unrestricted murder of children in order to demonstrate how free we are, she was unable to put two and two together to find out or to at least state what also seems self-evident to the rest of us who understand what freedom is, how it was purchased, and why we fight to preserve it. Kamala Harris said at the beginning of her speech that abortion access is necessary because the presence of abortion access lives to the values stated in the Declaration of Independence. Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Wait a minute. Did she leave something out? Oh, yeah, she did. Life. She quoted from the Declaration of Independence. We collectively believe in no America is a promise. It is a promise of freedom and liberty. Well, yeah, but you got to be alive to get it. And then Kamala Harris said this. Can we truly be free if a woman cannot make decisions about her own body? 
Can we truly be free if a doctor cannot care for her patients? Can we truly be free if families cannot make intimate decisions about the course of their own lives? And can we truly be free? If Ivan Provorov is cudgeled into wearing a gay pride jersey, or if the Masterpiece Cake Shop in Denver is forced to bake a cake celebrating a gay wedding, or if Tony Dungy is in the crosshairs of cancel culture because he spoke at the March for Life, can we truly be free? No, we cannot. The Kamala Harris has an infantile understanding of freedom and how it is demonstrated in our country. It only applies, in her mind, to the fact that women can brutally butcher children in the womb. That is Kamala Harris's first and only standard for freedom. Mine's a little bit more expansive than that. It is that you are allowed to say ideas that might not be popular, might not be mainstream, but you were allowed to say them, and then you were held accountable for them if they proved not to be authentically, uniquely translatable into a culture where meritocracy used to rule, but now it's feelings that rule. So I don't love the idea of Kamala Harris, who clearly doesn't understand what freedom is, being the leader of a nation that represents the people around the world their best hope for freedom. I don't love that. I don't like it even a little bit. But the Democrats, I believe, want to get her at the top of the executive branch because by playing to the standard that they have established for everything else, critical race theory in schools and other aspects of their ideology, it is going to be very hard to move Kamala Harris off the ticket because she is still what she was to get on the ticket, a black woman. Right? They prize intersectionality. That's how she got on the ticket. And if she has not been proven to be as unfathomably inept as she is, then they will have a hard time getting her off the ticket. But if she's allowed to actually get her hands dirty and put her fingerprints on things, then they can plausibly get rid of her to move someone else in because she's not winning a 2024 presidential election. I doubt Joe Biden is winning a 2024 presidential election. Not if Republicans run the right candidate. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.